guitar. But I appreciate taking some of these great old songs and giving them uh, a new, fresh perspective so a new generation can embrace them and use them. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9 that a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. That to me has been a great verse over the years as I have contemplated what God wants me to do personally as I think about the future and set goals, make plans. And also as we as a church consider what God would have us do in the future. That is to intentionally think about the goals that we have collectively as a church. One translation of this verse puts it this way, a man's heart plans his way. The idea is that there is human planning involved. One translation even puts it, it's good for a man to plan his way. And the second half of the verse sometimes is translated like this, but the Lord determines his steps. This verse is just so full. First of all, it tells us that planning is good. It's important for us to think and to uh, intentionally come up with some type of strategy for our life, some type, of some type of destination and goal in mind. Remember, we are created according to Genesis chapter 1 in the image of God. And that image of God is the idea of thinking and imagining the ability to decide and we're told in Luke 14, verse 31, it's wrong if you plan, if you go to war without a plan. It's wrong to build a tower without a blueprint. So consider what you're doing before you do it. And I think the church of Jesus Christ needs to do some planning. But the second half of the verse is kind of that uh, governor. It's the, uh, the very thing in the verse that controls it gives checks and balances to the first. God is sovereign. And he will determine our steps, right? Hey, we're going on vacation to Florida. Let's pack up the car. We're all ready to go. We've taken care of all of the details except one, a snowstorm. And the snowstorm comes, and we don't get very far. And we decide to change our plan either not to go on vacation or to go tomorrow. Some people were planning to come to church today and they're not here yet because a man plans his way, but God determines his steps. It's good to plan, but it's always good to plan under God's control. Remember James chapter 4. Don't say today, tomorrow we'll go, buy, sell, get gain. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Therefore, we should say, Lord willing, we will do this or we will do that. There's nothing wrong with the plan. Just make sure that the plan is under the sovereignty of God. And what I want to share with you today has come to be known among the staff and some of the leaders of the church as the 2020 plan for South. 2020 being the year that this plan is kind of aiming at five years into the future. And 2020 is the idea of seeing clearly, right? 
seeing something as it is, of having good sight. And so our 2020 strategic plan is something that we've been working on for a long time. And today's sermon is not the normal type of sermon where I go to one text of Scripture and just kind of exposit that one text and get into it as deeply as we can. We're going to look at several portions of Scripture, but we're focusing on this plan for South and how you can be a part of it. One of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, what are we to do as a church? What is the church really supposed to be about? And that's why I love Matthew 22. Matthew 22 is that wonderful text of Scripture where Jesus is giving an answer to a lawyer. And the lawyer is actually debating with the Lord Jesus, and he was part of the group of the Pharisees. And you have to remember that the Pharisees took the Ten Commands of God and added to them 613 commands just to make things more complicated. By the way, churches and pastors are able to do that. It's part of our giftedness to take that which is easy and make it difficult, that which is clear and make it confusing. That's what the Pharisees did. So they added 613 laws to the Ten Commandments. By the way, 248 were positive and 365 commands were negative. That's one negative command for every day. And no one could keep them all. No one could remember them all. It reminds me of the budget of the United States of America when it's given to our legislators. There's no way you can read it, let alone understand it. So Jesus takes all of the law. Which is the most important one is the question. And his answer is so good. He boils it down to the core. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And that should read, the second is like unto it. Love your neighbors yourself. The first part of that answer comes from the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.5. It's the basic creed of the nation of Israel. They would say it when they would open almost all of their services. It's the first text that a child would learn. Total love to God. It needs to dominate our emotions, direct our thoughts, and drive our actions. Love God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Total dominance. And the second commandment is similar. It comes out of Leviticus 19. Love your neighbor as yourself. By the way, self-love is not mentioned. We are to love our neighbor as ourself. It's not described much because you don't need instruction on how to love yourself. You do that quite well. But if you would love others like you love yourself, if you would turn that attention from yourself to others, then you fulfill the second commandment. And Jesus brilliantly says in verse 40, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So he summarizes it for us so we can get it. Not even ten commands, but two. And that's the brilliance of our Lord Jesus. I suppose if we were to chart... Matthew 22, that is to try to get a visual of what it might look like, it might look like this. Vertical, love up. Horizontal, love out. 
The vertical love up is our focus on God. That's the first command. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with your body, with everything you are. And then the love out is the horizontal responsibility. And there are two arrows there because one goes toward believers and the other goes toward non-believers. So we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, but all humanity is divided into two categories, those who know Christ, and our love to them is a little bit different because we're members of the body of Christ with them. They're part of the family, and we have a responsibility to them, but we have a different responsibility to love those who don't know Christ, right? And so it's all about love. Love up, love out is a good way to remember the responsibilities that God has given to us. And in Romans chapter 13 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul just adds his amen to this when he says, love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. If you would truly love God with all of your heart, you don't need any other commands. If you would truly love your neighbors yourself, you don't need a lot of instruction on how to relate to those around you. And so our focus ought to be on love. Love is all you need. Love is all you need. Those of you from the 60s might be remembering a Beatles song by that very name, issued forth in 1967. Love is all you need. Very confusing lyrics, and the chorus and the tune are catchy, and so we remember love is all you need, and they go into an endless repetition at the end. But what they were talking about regarding love is a little different than what the Bible's talking about because this love starts with the author of love and what he deems worthy, God Almighty. Now, based on Matthew 22, South has come up with a motto, and you see it on our cornerstone, right? Passion for Christ, vertical. Compassion for others, horizontal. A motto is kind of like a, a slogan, and there are a lot of benefits to boiling down that which could be confusing, complicated, complex, and giving us a simple maxim, a way to remember that which is crucial. That's exactly what Jesus did with all the commands in Matthew 22. And so just another way of saying love God with all your heart and your neighbors yourself is passion for Christ, compassion for others. And that's what we are to be about doing. A slogan gives direction. That's one of its benefits. It helps to define success. When we love God and love others, we are succeeding in life. It creates enthusiasm in the sense that we know what we're supposed to be doing, and it also promotes harmony. We're all doing the same thing. A slogan can offer hope and encouragement. It can offer inspiration, and it's designed in such a way that it's easy to remember. It's designed for the ear, not for the eye. It's a catchy phrase, and that's why businesses pay thousands of dollars to advertisers to come up with slogans that you cannot forget even if you want to. And Jesus did the same thing. An important slogan to remember. Businesses do this all the time. A lot of time they will use uh, acronyms to, uh, to help us remember things. Like this one, the word 
KISS. An acronym often is a word that speaks about a whole phrase. Each letter in the word has a phrase. And this particular one, KISS, is an acronym to remind us of the keep it simple, stupid principle. That was invented, as far as I can tell, by an engineer back in the 1960s who worked at Lockheed. And then it became used in the military. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. And that's important for us in this whole idea of building slogans. This is one acronym we know. Here's another one that those of you from the World War II generation will remember. We talk about the wax. And your kid will say, what is a whack? Well, that's Women's Army Corps. These were the ladies who fought in World War II, and they got the name the wax. The government, though, doesn't always try to establish acronyms. Uh, They often just go to abbreviations. In fact, you cannot work with your computer on Twitter and Facebook and instant messaging unless you learn a bunch of abbreviations. It's a whole new language. And uh, I'm not very good at that. I still don't know what a lot of them mean. You ask your kids and they know. But you and I often do the same thing. And when I delivered a sermon back a couple years ago, I said that three letters ought to be the key abbreviation for what South needs to be involved with. That is, what every person at South needs to be involved with. And those three letters are W-C-S. W-C-S. Do you remember what they stand for? If you don't, I'll tell you. But I went online and found out that WCS is owned by a lot of different people. For instance, the Wildlife Converse, uh, Conservation Society. Uh, that is, uh, their famous flag is the WCS flag that you'll see in many places. Or it might refer to World Cup soccer. Although that's something that only Americans talk about. Everywhere else in the world is just the World Cup or football. But we talk about World Cup soccer. I found online that this is WCS stands for Wayne County Speedway. (laughs) Or how about this one? You're familiar with this. Worst case scenario, WCS. But maybe my favorite is this one, this universal statement of regret. (laughs) Woulda, coulda, shoulda. But at South, WCS stands for Worship, Connect, and Serve. We've now designed our website so that these three have their own tabs and you can go to these different areas. This describes what is happening at the Ministry of South and what we desire for you if you are part of South. That you plug in to worship and we've got multiple choices. That you connect somewhere in a smaller group and we have multiple choices. And that you learn to serve Jesus Christ because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive, and we have multiple opportunities. You say, Pastor, what do you want for people who come to South on a regular basis? I want them to experience God-honoring worship. I want them to be able to connect closely with other members of the family of Jesus Christ because some of our greatest growth happens in small groups. And I want you to serve because you've been gifted to serve, and when you serve with your gift, you are amazingly Blessed, And I want this to be a blessed congregation. And so with this in mind, this actually came out of or was more formalized in a planning meeting that took place at a staff retreat 
way back in August of 2013. We got together as pastors and and, uh, we talked about the ministry at South and how things were going. We did some evaluation and we tried to come up with some way to summarize all the uh, multifaceted areas of ministry at South. You can get lost in all of the things that are happening at this church. Just listening to the announcements that uh, the pastors will give at times can confuse us. And they have to be given with great rapidity because there are more and more and more of them. So we, at a planning retreat, talked about, well, what should we do? And we came up and kind of formalized this WCS. A sermon a year and a half ago, September 2013. I shared some of these ideas with you, the congregation, September 8th. And we talked about the 2020 vision for South. And we talked about WCS. And we talked about some things we would like to do. And because of the mercy and grace of God, some of those very things have been accomplished. For instance, in the year 2014, we started Simply South, which is happening today for new people who come to South, an opportunity to have one-on-one with the pastoral staff and learn about uh, the, the church. Christianity Explored is designed to reach new believers or those who are seeking Uh, Christ, those who want to investigate Christianity, and that has been happening. We hired an assimilation director, Kelly Seitz, who's doing a wonderful job helping the new people connect with the body of Christ here. And we also talked about chapel plans, that is, to build a chapel. You know what happened there. And we also wanted to start a foundation Bible Institute. And although some of you may not be aware of it, it is going on on a regular basis each fall, each spring. And there are several people going through actually working on a certificate, uh, finishing the courses of the South Foundation Bible Institute. And so we praise the Lord for what happened uh, in the year 2014. So as we came into the year of 2015, we thought, let's do some more strategic planning. The Oxford Dictionary says that strategic means to identify long-term goals or aims and the means to achieve them. So there is a stratagem, there is a goal, there is a plan, there is a destination in mind, and then an actual step-by-step way of effectively making that plan a reality. So in January of 2015, we met with 20 leaders from South in Charlotte, Michigan, and we did what is called a SWOT analysis. Are you familiar with that word? S stands for strengths. Uh, o or, uh, uh, w stands for weaknesses. O for opportunities. And T for threats. In other words, you look at all the ministry of the church from these four perspectives. And we had 20 different leaders, some elected leaders, pastors, some lay leaders, men and women. We got together and we spent uh, a good part of a Saturday. I think it was the 17th of January. And then to finish it up, we met February in 2015 in the same place uh, in Charlotte at the Alive Center. And we finished up analyzing Uh, the church and trying to understand just exactly where we are as a church and where we're going. And so I want to share with you just quickly some of the things that came out of that in the analysis, the SWOT analysis. First of all, the strengths of South Church, and this is coming from the 20 leaders. It was the idea that we are faithfully teaching the Bible. That's one of the key strengths. 
not just in the pulpit, but all throughout the ministry, uh, the, the, the scriptures are prominent, they're a priority, and we try to follow them as best we can. Global missions, a real strength at South Church. And the fact that by God's grace, and these are all by God's grace, uh, there has been a degree of healthy leadership at South, and that is so vitally important for a local church. The second area of strengths after healthy leadership is the idea of the fact that we are an international or uh, intergenerational congregation. So it's not just young people. It's not just the mature people. It's a good mix of both. And that's a healthy, positive strength of our church. The idea that South is a generous church in giving generosity is amazing. And in the building of the chapel, that was evident. And the college ministry came up as one of the great strengths of South Church in that the college ministry is probably the most effective means of winning people to Christ when we see just the results and, of course, the opportunity for them to sow the seed in the hearts of young families. So quickly, those were the strengths. Now, there are other strengths. If you're involved in a ministry and your ministry was not mentioned there, that doesn't mean that it's not important or it's not doing well. But we were just talking about some of the things that a lot of people recognize and think of right off the bat. The weaknesses. And by far and away, the weakness, the biggest weakness is evangelism or the lack thereof. The fact that we become a church sometimes just within these walls, insulated from the rest of the world, fortified, and we don't get out into the lives of those who don't know Christ. One of the reasons why the college ministry is so effective in evangelism is they're not fortified and held back. And they're doing all they can to get in the lives of those who don't know Christ. There's a space here because that stood out far and away as the greatest weakness. And then there were a cluster of others. Disconnect, disconnected attenders, meaning there are a lot of people who come to South who just come to worship service and don't do anything else. And we really believe that greatest growth happens in small groups and you're only... Uh, groups and you're only blessed when you're serving and so if you just come to worship and leave you're missing two-thirds of what could be the greatest blessing in your spiritual life so we saw this as a need developing new leaders for the future and then just general mentoring of those in the area of discipleship as well as leadership opportunities the opportunities that were highlighted the fact that we need to be more involved in local missions Global missions is a strength. Local missions is a bit of a weakness. And we've got to do more. And the idea of blessing the community, I'll say a little bit more about that, but someone once asked this question, if your church ceased to exist, would the community mourn? Now, if you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, a lot of communities will not like you. But are you doing anything else to be a positive benefit to your community? Helping the poor, helping kids with reading, uh, just doing things that will be a blessing to the community so that if you left, the community of Lansing would say, oh, we're so sad to leave, lose that group of people. Interesting question. Rethinking building use is another opportunity. God's given us a great facility, and how can we use it in a more effective way as a tool 
of reaching our community and sharing the gospel. And threats? Interesting. Clearly, the greatest threat was if we, if we cease walking with God, if we neglect our own personal walk with God. Remember, a church is only as strong as its people. The church is the people of God, right? It's not the building. It's you. And if you're not walking with God, then you're not an asset. You can be a liability. You say, well, then I'll just stop coming. No. <laughs> Get right with the Lord. Walk with him. And that's from pastoral staff all the way down. Another threat is worldliness. I described it similar to the paraphrase in Romans 12 that we find in the Phillips translation. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Here's one of the greatest threats of South Church, that we will be squeezed theologically and morally into the shape of the world around us. We're supposed to change the world, not have the world change us. And this is one of the greatest threats. Uh, of becoming a church of form and not substance. Acknowledging God but denying his power. Of having the right creed, but God never shows up. Never experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that's happening here at South, but it's a great threat for churches like ours who talk so much about what is true and talk so much about what isn't true and we have a tendency sometimes to talk and not to experience or live and then the word complacency unless we have a vision that is larger than ourselves we have a tendency to become complacent and when we are complacent over time that leads to the erosion of good people in the church who can't stand complacency. It's a great threat to any Bible-believing church. So it's time for us to push forward. It's time for us in this evaluation to acknowledge some of these challenges, these weaknesses, to take hold of the opportunities to build on our strengths and to become a greater church by God's grace in these next five years in some astounding ways. I like what God said to Israel. It was the group that was coming back from the exile in Isaiah 54. He said, lengthen your cords and strengthen your tent pegs. Enlarge your tent and its cords and at the same time, strengthen that which holds everything together. And so that's what South needs to do. So here are some ideas as we talk about 2020 in the realm of worship. John chapter 4, and you don't need to turn there. Uh, for sake of time, jot down the reference. The hour is coming and now is, Jesus said, when the Father, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is looking for people to worship him and to worship him in spirit and in truth. So we have a praise in this area. We praise God for the chapel that has been built that has enhanced our worship and given us an opportunity to do th some things we couldn't do before in worship. So we praise the Lord for that. But one of our clear goals is to increase the number of worshipers here at South and in other Bible-believing churches. We want to be proactive about inviting people to come in. 
Now, one of the statistics we found is that in the year 2015, there were 22% more new guests than in 2014. That's pretty positive. Now, that's according to those who filled out the welcome card, and maybe we're just doing a better job filling out the welcome cards and collecting them, and this year we'll really be able to see. But you know the greatest motive for people to come and attend a church is for a, a trusted friend to invite them? 85% come to p church for the first time because someone that they trust invited them. Who are you inviting? Could you take up the challenge to bring someone to church this year that they might hear the gospel and be involved in this family of God? It's not that we just want to enlarge our numbers. It's that we want to increase the number of those who praise God because the Father is seeking for worshipers. So let's do something to invite people to accomplish this goal. Also, we want to maintain our two worship styles. We feel that there are different cultures in our society, and we have an opportunity to reach two different groups by having the two different styles. With the building of the chapel, that uh, continues to be a reality. We started a concert of prayer last year, and this year we want to not only have more concerts of prayer in our worship time, but we also want to fortify and further develop our prayer ministry here at South. There's a great prayer ministry going on. Yesterday, a great group of men and a great group of ladies met in uh, the building just to pray for the ministry of South. People are praying right now for this service. And we talked a lot about stewardship. And although we are giving and there's generosity, there's room to grow. Still, it's probably in the realm of 5% of what people give who regularly attend South. 5% of their income to the work of the church when the Bible talks about a tithe. So we've got some room to grow. And in light of that, I would like to see us debt-free by 2020. And that's going to take some generous giving. But it's a goal that could take place. There are many other things that were discussed in worship. We're evaluating our worship services. We're considering whether we're going to uh, hire someone else to help Corb in the worship ministry. Uh, we're planning a, sermon, a series of sermons that will help define and discuss what worship is and how we can enter in. But these are some of the big ones that came out of our SWOT analysis. Let's go on to Connect. We praise the Lord that about 50% of the people at South are connected in some type of small group. 51%, I think, was the actual number. That's a real matter of praise. But we would like to, in the next five years, increase that to 75%. That is, we want those of you who attend who aren't yet connected with a small group to be part of it. A small group could be an adult Bible community that meets Sunday morning or a small group that meets in a home every other week. But if you really want to grow spiritually, you need to be part of a small group. The larger worship time is for information and inspiration for worshiping God in a large group. But the application of these truths happens in smaller groups. That's where the significant part of spiritual growth takes place. And that's why we want to increase these. So much so that one of our goals is to hire a small group's pastor, someone who would be devoted just to developing this area of ministry. Younger families are more encouraged to become part of a small group than maybe a Sunday morning adult uh, Bible school or, or Sunday school class, and so we're looking for that, as well as to develop our own membership process, uh, the importance of membership and 
what it means to be a member and encourage others to become official members at South. And then also, we desperately need to find someone who will lead our men's ministry. Our ladies' ministry is doing very well. The men's ministry needs some direction there. And so that's one of our key prayers and uh, key goals. By the way, we took, up, took the leaders from the strategic planning times and divided them into three groups, worship, connect, and serve. And they're the ones that came up with a lot of these ideas that I'm sharing. Um, Chuck Webb and Chuck Cook were facilitators of this whole process and did a, a tremendous job. And so this has gone through a lot of layers of thinking and praying and discussion. The serve area. We praise the Lord for the work that has been done uh, under the banner of assimilation. Kelly Seitz, I mentioned, has taken on that position and occasionally God leads her out to work with Samaritan's Purse in helping some uh, group of people who have experienced a disaster somewhere in the world. But she's doing a great job of helping us love out, not only to believers, but to unbelievers. There has been in this whole area of assimilation uh, uh, the updated website many service opportunities and a Facebook page. So social media has been developed to help communicate ways to connect with the church and communicate the message of the church. There's been the spotlight on volunteers that was launched last year, and every week a new volunteer is uh, highlighted, and there are many who are doing that. We want to encourage this whole idea of loving one another. That's the in-reach of the church. But we also want to focus on outreach and service. And we praise God that during this past year, we were able to take a huge step forward. Talk about a great strategy move to purchase a house, the college house called the Villa. And it's on Michigan Avenue right across from Brody Dorm. It was purchased this summer by the generosity of this church and uh, some significant uh, donors. And because of that, that ministry is now reaching uh, college students and especially internationals. And it was part of our missions project this last year. What a huge step forward. We plan our way. This was in kind of on the back burner. God directs our steps. He brought it to the front burner. And in a matter of weeks, it happened. And I just praise the Lord for what is going on in reaching people for Christ. Um, I want us to establish, we have a global missions board, I want us to establish a local missions board. If that's one of our greatest weaknesses, then we need to be really intentional of helping us become more outreach-oriented. The whole idea of ministry and serving will be further uh, advanced if we have a good communication system. So we've talked about kiosks and the gathering space in the concourse area where you can walk out of these doors and connect with a leader in ministry. And then finally, this idea of finding a way to bless Lansing. I don't have an answer for this yet, but I want to in the next five years have the Lord give to us, this is our plan, God directs our steps, to give us something that we can do, some way to impact Lansing in a way that they are truly blessed that Lansing notices, and then they come, and they want to find more out about the one we serve and why we serve. Wouldn't that be amazing? We're too ingrown 
And we really need to be focused out in the community. And this is one of the key things we need to do. Well, that's, in a nutshell, our 2020 strategy. Um, by the way, first, I, I glanced over some of the verses there. Ephesians 4 talks about us being members one of another, and that's why we need to connect. That's Ephesians 4.25. And 1 Peter 4.10 tells us that we all have been gifted, and we need to serve this gift with the grace God gives us for his glory. So our 2020 strategy, it's a clear vision that takes us forward. And the plan is designed, well-designed. It's becoming more refined as God directs our steps. So we need a clear plan, a destination, a well-designed plan to get there, and then the passion to do it. And that's where you come in. That's where I come in. There needs to be this plan. This needs, plan needs to be widely embraced by the people of God here at South, enthusiastically entered into, with every person using their gift, knowing how their gift can help take the ball forward to the goal line, with a servant's heart by the grace of God. And that is WCS 2020 strategy in a brief nutshell. Remember Proverbs 16, man plans his way, but God directs his steps. Wouldn't it be exciting if we could realize some of these things like the college house was purchased? Wouldn't it be realized if we could impact Lansing in a way we've never done before? Wouldn't it be amazing if more people got involved in small groups and the blessing of God just began to grow and more people were joining us to worship? That's what keeps me going. And I trust you'll join the team by God's grace to see South go forward because our real goal is to glorify God in everything we do and in everything we say. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will help us to move forward in these goals. Change them as you will. Lord, this is just the best we can come up with at this point. Give us more specificity. Give us more clarity. Lord, inflame the hearts of every believer with a passion to serve you, to love you, to worship you, to bless your people, and to bless those who don't know you that they might come to know you. Help us to take the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12 of blessing the nations to our own community. For the glory of God we pray. Amen.